Percy, what say you about taking our pain and struggles and disappointment and turning it into a mission for our life? Mm, Well, Wayne, you know, many are motivated by different things like money, fame, and applause, right? And we hear that, we see that all the time. But I think there's no purer motivator to drive a cause than one's own struggle and hardship to enable and help others. And with that, there's just something that happens to individuals out of their struggle, out of their pain, out of climbing up out of a dark place, that then something happens to those individuals and says, I want to do something for other people. Hmm. Let's have a conversation today about that in this segment. We're going to meet a social worker whose cancer drove her to help meet the needs of thousands of others stricken with cancer. The following program is produced and sponsored by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. And this is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Reverend Percy McRae, National Director of Specialized Outreach at City of Hope. And we're here each week with a new edition of Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Glad to have you along this week. I hope that you are listening each and every week. And you can subscribe either at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, or on the podcast platform you're using, Apple or Google or Spotify, any of those platforms where you catch Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Go ahead and subscribe and get this downloaded automatically to your smart device. All right, let's jump into our program today about this uh, cancer journey becomes social work. Tell us about the guest to come, Percy. Yeah, I was, uh, this is someone who reached out and found me. And so, um, uh, and I love when people find find me and say, listen, somehow someone told me about you or heard about the show. I've got a story to tell you. Are you interested? And so we connected and lo and behold, um, you know, found out what her story was and it's compelling. It really is. And we're really going to hear from a woman through uh, her own pain, her own suffering uh, with a diagnosis of cancer, uh, that she had already had a vision and a dream in her heart, you know, uh, and, and and she'll unpack that. And then how, when she was uh, ultimately diagnosed with cancer, that, that original vision and dream then turned into something toward cancer patients specifically. And she's going to step through how she got to that point. And she's going to share an amazing story with us today about uh, adopting a young African-American child as a result of of a very difficult situation that happened to that child's mother and how that changed her life. And so she's going to really impact us today with her conversation. Yeah, the interview was pre-recorded, and you told me afterward you really enjoyed this conversation, oh. did you? Yeah, I did. It was because it was so moving and, and her um, her candidness with regard to some things that she learned and experience when she entered into the healthcare space. And as a social worker, uh, she was a bit surprised and 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 that really motivated her even more to want to do some things once she uh, got on the other side of her treatment and care. And so today you're going to be highly motivated by this story and encouraged to say the least. We will all meet Heather coming up in just a moment on Health, Hope and Inspiration. Thanks for your comments and questions you send in to us. We appreciate them. We read each and every one. We can't use them all in the podcast, of course, but we appreciate and read each and every one. Uh, Here's one from Tacoma, Washington, what foods should I avoid while being treated for cancer? Well, we've done whole programs on that, Percy. We have. We have several programs that we've talked about, you know, dietary-related conversation. Uh, we have a resource that that you should check out, recipes uh, uh, for cancer, et cetera, et cetera. 
And so I did just a little research to to offer some some reference points here. And according to cancer.net, which is sponsored by the American Society of Clinical Oncology, or as some may know it as ASCO, here is just a partial list of 15 foods listed on their site to avoid. And this this is a bit of a different question, what foods to avoid, Mm -hmm. uh, which can be located at cancer.net again. Uh, And I'll just read very quickly a few of these, you know, cold hot dogs or deli lunch meats need to avoid those, according to uh, this website, dry cured uncooked salami, Uh, unpasteurized milk or milk products, smoked fish, uh, unwashed fresh fruits and vegetables, unwashed fresh fruits and vegetables, raw or undercooked beef and sushi. This is just a partial list of foods to avoid while undergoing treatment for cancer. And so you can locate that entire list, uh, exhaustive list at cancer.net, which is sponsored by the American Society of Clinical Oncology. All right. And we'll put more information in our program notes for this particular program as well. It's number 391 in our series, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And that's found at healthhopeandinspiration.com. And the beauty of the podcast is those previous programs we've done about nutrition and cancer can be listened to anytime. They're in the Mm -hmm. archives. So go and and look those up if that would be helpful as well. Thank you for your question. Contact us at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Okay. Just before we hear from today's guest, why don't you share some scripture with us? Absolutely. And so our scripture is found from Matthew 25. This is a great chapter for so many different reasons. Verses 35 through 40, and it reads as follows. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we you hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave you drink? Uh, When saw we you a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? Or when saw you sick or in prison and came unto you? And verse 40 is should should resonate in every one of our hearts and should challenge us every day. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done this as unto me. And today that's going to help us mm-hmm. with this social worker who felt compelled on a personal level and even beyond to feed, uh, to clothe, and to support uh, the sick, those who are dealing with the effects of cancer, but first being impacted with a very direct relationship that she engendered along the way. Yes, the interview is next on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. But if you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope with locations from coast to coast. Their team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists. There are doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, volunteers, and support staff all united by their desire to find cures and save lives. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about City of Hope. Or contact a member of the team with questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-4673. City of Hope uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, hey, 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 it's me, Pastor P, and I am back again with another compelling conversation. 
And I'm excited, but I say that every week, don't I? But that's because I'm excited every week. That's because the people that I talk to uh, excite me because uh, they bring their unique perspectives and experiences from a cancer uh, perspective to the table. And that is going to be the case today. We have with us uh, the president and CEO of Pink Ribbon Good, Pink Ribbon Good, and we'll explain and, and unpack that a little bit, Heather Salazar. And before she speaks, she is a a former breast cancer patient uh, diagnosed in March of 2005. She's been cancer-free or, or no evidence of disease for 18 years, and we celebrate that. Woo-hoo! Her medical treatment included... Uh, surgery, uh, chemotherapy, aggressive chemotherapy, and immunotherapy. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, as time permits. Uh, welcome to the microphone today, Heather. How are you doing? Great. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to speak to cancer patients. So with that being said, let's jump right into this. Uh, I mentioned that, of course, the cancer that you uh, dealt with was was breast cancer, and and of course, many, many, many women in America uh, deal with this. And you were you were diagnosed at a at a pretty early age, and you've been a survivor for a long time. The question that I always like to ask to kind of start this discussion is: Do you remember the day when you were told that you had cancer, and where were you, and how did you feel when you heard those words? Oh yes, I remember exactly. It was um, March third, two thousand and five, at four o three p.m. And the reason I remember that is because my two little girls were playing at my feet and in the kitchen. They were three and four at the time, and my boys uh, just pulled up on the bus stop across the cul-de-sac, mm. and I knew they were running in. Mm. And the doctor said to me, um, "I'm so sorry, Heather, but it's positive." And I said positive for what i was like this can't be happening i'm too young and i just fell to the floor and my knees just buckled and i went to my bedroom remember like there weren't cell phones really you know what i mean cell phones they were for emergencies so my phone was still hooked to the wall i was trying to get to the cordless phone so i could call my husband without my kids hearing and i was just completely terrified wow so you get that news, and I remember the day when I got that news as well, and, and it's just hard to describe to people unless you are on the receiving end of hearing that, and you've got to let it wash over you. You know, you, it's just not something that you immediately just kind of go, oh, okay. It, it takes a little bit uh, for people to process, for some people longer, some people shorter. You process that information, and as you said, you you spoke to your husband, so he's the first person that you shared that information with. Uh, from there... Uh, did you uh, sit down and have a conversation with your kids right away? How did you handle that? So um, a, a little, I don't know, a little about my story is I was so scared because breast cancer had come into our lives a year and a half before then. Wow. And I thought um, I was love to work with inner city kids. I was in social work. The running joke is I always thought I was going to solve generational poverty. Okay. I, I loved those kids so much. And when um, we moved back, my husband was in the military. We moved back to raise our family near near my parents. Um, about 18 months before I was diagnosed, um, my mom's neighbor, who was a midwife, had delivered this baby um, hmm. and they were looking for a home for her. Her mother was raised in the foster care system okay, and a lot of different foster care homes. And she had metastatic breast cancer and she was 23 mm. and the baby was eight months old. So the week before in our church, 
there was all these families that were battling infertility. So we reached out to them and they, they didn't feel comfortable because of the color of her skin. Ah. And I didn't feel comfortable with them. And so I just cried and cried. And my husband begged my husband to meet her. She had to ride the bus to the grocery store. Hmm. Um, she walked right past me when she got off the bus and looked straight at my husband. And she said, um, I need my baby to have a better life than me. And I need your help. Wow. And my husband's heart melted in a puddle. And we got an attorney and we got legal custody of the baby Lexi. And we took care of her mom for a year, okay. a year wow. while she battled stage four breast cancer. Wow. And she passed away a few weeks after she turned 24. Mm. And literally a year and a half later, I'm diagnosed with the same kind of aggressive breast cancer as Lexi's mom. Wow. And I'm 31. So... I think I was like, without sounding extra dramatic, we were just a different level of scared, angry. The only person we knew with breast cancer that wasn't a grandma, yeah. we just took care of and she died. So my kids were terrified. Yeah. And I was so afraid Lexi would lose two moms to breast cancer before she went to kindergarten. And my boys were so afraid that I would die and my daughter, that I would die like Lexi's mom. And so it was just... It was just so surreal, to be honest with you. And I was so mad at God. I'm like, how did you tell me to adopt this baby? And we're going to take care of her. And I took care of her mom. And then I'm going to get the same kind of cancer her mom had. Yeah, that, that, that is an amazing backstory. No question about it. And what I do know to be true, and I talk about it all the time on this platform, is that, you know, cancer, when people are diagnosed with cancer, there are other dynamics of things that are going on in their life. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, you, you don't just typically have cancer. There's there's all sorts right. of social components. And on top of the whole cancer dynamic was all of this other stuff going on in the background. And here you are, a young woman. And the other thing that I took from that is, you know, uh, we are seeing younger women being diagnosed with oh, breast 100%. cancer. 100%. Yeah. So having said all of that, um, it's, 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 it's a compelling beginning, obviously, for you. And, you know, here we are 18 plus years later, but uh, you, you start out, you know, with a, with a mixed bag of emotions, anger, fear, uh, and, and that's kind of typical. And, and I like to highlight, even, right, though, even though I'm a person of faith and, and, a, and a faith leader, being, you know, people get mad at God. And I tell people, God's a big boy. He can handle you being mad at him or upset with him. Uh, and if God was that fickle, you know, we'd need to find a different God to serve, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, it, it doesn't change his disposition to us. So you, yeah. you, 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 you migrate from that whole backdrop and you have to make a decision about treatment and care, right? You have yeah. to start doing something. How complicated was it for you or did you have help and assistance in entering into the the health arena, and um, and 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 how did you make some decisions about the treatment that you received? Again, you had a, a bilateral mastectomy, you had aggressive chemotherapy, you had immunotherapy. Let's talk a little bit about entering into the healthcare space to receive clinical care and that process a little bit. Yes, so t- two things. One. Um, I do have to say that Lexi's mom saved my life. I mean, I didn't know a young woman could get breast cancer. Yeah. Okay. I did my first ever self breast exam and I would have been dead before a mammogram. Mm. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is, um, 
there was a difference in the way we were treated, right? There was, I mean, she was underinsured. I had never, I mean, and let's be clear. I was a 31 year old stay at home mom. It's not like we were lifestyles of the rich and famous, but we had good insurance. And um, when I took Alexis in, Lexi's mom, it was so different. I mean, they were just, I had never really been with someone fighting a battle that was underinsured. So that was one thing. And I say that because it has a lot to do with what's behind PRG. And the second thing is, I knew her cancer was super aggressive and there was a clinical trial drug that was saving her life and um, kept her around as long as it did. And I knew I needed that clinical trial drug. It wasn't, it wasn't yet out for early stage breast cancer patients. So I had to do a lot of research that I can't imagine doing if I didn't have support in a husband, in my parents, in my siblings, that to try to figure out which hospital I could go to, to get that drug, Herceptin, which was kind of like this miracle drug for aggressive breast cancer treatment. So it was exhausting. And truth be told, I'm high maintenance and I'm persistent. And I'm, I like went to every single hospital, including, you know, one you're familiar with to try to find someone who could tell me I didn't need to do chemotherapy and I wouldn't lose my hair. Yeah. Two important things, you know. Right, right. Super important. Absolutely. Super and, important. And so when I hear that, I hear a couple of things. First of all, I appreciate you highlighting, and it's unfortunate, one of the great things I love about um, our new sponsor, City of Hope, uh, that one of the things that uh, they talk about a lot is, uh, and I, I can hear the CEO in my my head now, because uh, he says this is that we are going to democratize, you know, yes. cancer care because, unfortunately, for a lot of different reasons, you know, uh, access to healthcare is oh. still not the same across the it's board. Not. You know, based upon a lot of dynamics and. Uh, and I can hear the social worker in you standing on top of a soapbox saying, oh. "I'm not. I, I, this is making me crazy." Because again, you, you know, you wouldn't be in social work if you didn't care about people and wanting to see people helped. And here you are seeing and experiencing, unfortunately, uh, the difference of how some people are treated or have been treated in the healthcare system, and it's 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 very widely documented uh, for certain communities, <laughs> for certain cultures, for certain backgrounds of people. Uh, that they don't always necessarily get the same type of health care. And, and I don't think I even knew that was a thing at 31 years old. So that's that's embarrassing and true. Like, I will never forget walking in there. So I guess I was like 29 with Alexis and then 31 at diagnosis. And then, um, you know, here we are now, fast forward, right? Um, uh, Kara, which is our older daughter, is 22. Mm. And then Lexi, who we adopted, is 21. And so guess what? I have an African-American daughter and a white daughter that both have to be screened for breast cancer. Yeah. So they all, they got their screening starting this year. And when I really drilled down on the statistics, we don't know enough because we know black breast cancer is very aggressive, but we don't, we don't even study it enough. Anyways, different story for a different day, but it's just like, it's not okay. And we have to figure out what that looks like. And we have to figure out how to you know, get so many women, so many people, yourself included. I think as a cancer patient, you have to learn to be your own advocate. You have to. Yeah. You have to learn to fight for yourself. But it's really hard when you're lumped into statistics as every other kind of breast cancer, but we know it's different. So that's been a whole other humbling experience. I never thought I would see them go to high school. And now my older two boys are married and my um, 
girls are just graduating college. And I'm just, I thank God for that every single day. But I do have to tell you, they just got screened over Christmas. It was an in your face thing again, that we've come far, but we haven't come so far, you know? And so figuring out that and navigating the healthcare system has been challenging, but I do have to say, I feel like when you say about your CEO of City of Hope or when I talk to, it's important. I do feel like it's out there now that we know this is a real thing. We're no longer saying, I think we went through a phase to say, that doesn't happen. Right. Now I think everybody is saying it happens and they want, I hope and pray every day that we as a community want to get better at making sure everyone has access to care, that everyone has access to treatment after they're diagnosed. Yeah, it's a fair point. And again, as I said, uh, you know, you, your your social worker stripes, you know, leap off the page because, you know, you're you're you know, you're sending out the clarion call about, you know, the sensitivity and the awareness of that dynamic. And we certainly should and, and can do better and should be better at the end of the day that health care is, you know, it's not a privilege. It's a right. And so certainly uh, I appreciate you raising that point. And with all of that, first of all, great news to hear about your kids, that they have grown up. They have, you know, they're living uh, full lives. They're, they're, uh-huh. they're doing the necessary things from a health care perspective, both of your girls. And uh, we pray may they never have to experience uh, hear, yeah, yeah, hear, the, hear the words that, you know, you have cancer. Um, so here you are today. You're, you're, yep. you're on the other side of this entire process. Uh, and you've got this this thing called... PRG or Pink Ribbon Good. Let's talk about Pink Ribbon Good. What is it? What do you do as the president and why does it exist? So I think it exists because of two things. One, one I already mentioned that I don't think everybody has a community and an army behind them. And I also don't always think that's income or socioeconomic based. Some people are transient. Cancer is not biased or prejudiced. You know, it equally loves us all, unfortunately. Mm. And um, so what PRG does is we provide three healthy meals a week for your entire family. So if you're a family of five, you get 15 meals every week. House cleaning essentials in a lightweight vacuum that's under eight pounds so that you can use it after surgery, rides to treatment, and peer support, peer-to-peer support and education. And crazy things. So we're about 10 years old. Sometimes I can't believe like we have this whole group of group of people that work with us at this organization. I'm like, I think there's definitely true. What is the saying that my my dad always used to say? God, you know, he equips the called. And I read this the other day that when God calls this big purpose on your life, he's already factored in your stupidity. Yes. So I'm super thankful for that. And I'm a living witness of that. So I agree with you a thousand percent. (laughs) I mean, just like I'm like, we have 24 or something like that, full-time employees and 41 employees total. And we're in like seven states. I'm like, how did this happen? Wow. And so um, the craziest thing, we had our 10 in about 11 years. This is our 11th year. Mm -hmm. And this week we will serve our 1 millionth meal. That is amazing. That is amazing. And crazy. And when I hear that, uh, here is what I know to be pretty consistent about most cancer patients after almost three decades of supporting cancer patients. I have always been amazed at how when people go through the experience of of, and the, the dramatic dynamics of being told that you have cancer and working through cancer and living through cancer and treating for cancer, how many people rise up off of the mat to say, 
I'm not just going to waste this experience to get well. I'm going to do something for others. I'm going to pass this forward. That's what it sounds like Pink Ribbon Good is. And I want to say quickly before I forget, tell people how they can connect with Pink Ribbon Good. And if they want to contribute, if they want to donate money or time or whatever, how can people reach uh, you and reach this organization? Well, you know, we'll always take money because we got to buy some meals. That's right. But um, You can find us at pinkribbongood.org. On Facebook, it's Pink Ribbon Good. And then on Instagram, Pink Ribbon Good. And our Twitter handle is um, Pink Ribbon Good, too. I think it's pretty easy. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Because given the, the numbers that you just quoted of how many people you're feeding, how many meals you're providing, it, it is absolutely astonishing. And I would certainly suggest that if someone is feeling led by God to say, hey, how can I support a worthy cause. This is, I would presume, a 501c3 non-profit yes, organization. Yes. Okay, yes. so great. Uh, you know, look into this and go to the website and and check out PRG or Pink Ribbon Good. Uh, so what's on the horizon for Pink Ribbon Good? What's, what's some of the next steps that you guys have in place? Maybe you haven't gotten there yet, but you're looking to move into another la- oh. level of activity. Uh, my goal is before I retire um, that it's in every state. So that's our goal. We're okay. working with it. I mean, the way God has woven through this, how we're in San Francisco now, yeah. how how these people from, you know, tech world helped us create our back end that our API, all these words I don't even know, that our <laughs> API now goes with Uber Health. So our rides work and all of these things. And so, you know, the, the hardest thing for what we do is when people will hear this podcast and they'll be like, I need this. My mom needs this. My sister needs this. Yes. And if we're not in your state yet. So I just know God has had his hand on all of this and we are going to get the funding. We've grown exponentially. When we started, our budget was $100,000. And I thought I was going to serve every meal <laughs> in a Sam's or Costco bag and deliver it to them. And, you know, now, like I said, I think we're on average, I might be off a little, mm-hmm. um, but I we're like 27,000 meals a month. Wow. And so that's only really in Ohio, Missouri, and San Francisco. And we just launched Buffalo. So we have a strategic plan on how to do that. We're working with hospital systems. We're working with insurance providers. And, you know, that's my big audacious goal. And I can't work forever, you know, because I got a lot of things to do. Yeah. And so, and so, um, you know, we're really strategically and having this great board and a national board that's really helping us try to get in multiple cities at one time. Well, I'm I'm on your site right now and I've been looking at it for the last couple of days. And let me tell you, I'm thoroughly impressed. And just your and just your staff, to your point, the number of people that you guys have, this is just amazing and phenomenal work. And um I I, I just I'm excited with you and for you. Thank you. And uh I'm grateful for number one for what you have done, what you are doing. And and that leads me to my last question. And gosh, I could talk to you forever. And I'm, I'm going to recommend that at some point, maybe three or four months down the line, we circle back and get together and talk about what oh, else is going that. on in your life, what's going on with your foundation. So uh, let's stay in touch. What today, given everything that you've been through, everything that you just articulated, and it was a lot, what continues to drive or give you hope today? What keeps your hope alive? Well, you said something at the very beginning. I do think we have the best job in the world. Mm. So many people say, how do you do this? You have to go to funerals or it doesn't work out. And I will always question, like, why did I get to live and someone did? That's going to be my question for the man upstairs when I get there. Got it. But you know what? 
I, I believe that it is our job and our duty to make sure their legacy lives on. And the one thing that my friend said when she passed away is, don't use my death as an excuse, but as a motivation for everything. The wow. biggest thing you can do today is go home, love your family, and love your people well. Today, I am moved. And my new friend, because when you come on Health, Hope, and Inspiration, oh, yeah. we're, we're family and friends now. So we're stuck together, and we're in this together. Today, you have heard from the one and only, the incomparable, if I dare say that, Heather Salazar, she is a former breast cancer patient diagnosed March of 2005. She's been cancer-free or no evidence of disease for 18 years, folks, 18. Uh, she, she, she had the trifecta of surgery, uh, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and today she is the president and CEO of PRG, or Pink Ribbon Good, and you can find this organization that is feeding Thousands of people uh, every day across the United States of America at pinkribbongood.org uh, here to love up, support, and, and continue to promote the idea of family and community uh, with people with cancer and women with cancer everywhere. Today, it has been my privilege to have you on the show, my dear. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been our privilege to listen in on that conversation. We'll talk with Percy about it in a moment. According to the National Cancer Institute, approximately 39% of men and women will be diagnosed with cancer at some point during their lifetimes. Caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today. And to address this issue, we've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining is absolutely free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources, information about ministry training opportunities, and our informative monthly email newsletter. So visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page and join the Ministry Leaders Network today. Percy, as I was listening to you talk with Heather, um, I commented to my uh, wife recently after we were watching a movie that included an adoption story. I'm a sucker for an adoption story. So you had me mm. here today talking with Heather. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this social worker uh, basically attributes so much of who she is and and, and addition, an additional motivation for what she does now as a result of of a little girl that she adopted whose mother a uh, 24 year old mom passed away of breast cancer and that uh through uh, a serendipitous uh you know introduction met her uh this young mother basically went to her husband and said please uh, help my daughter. Uh, and I guess she's talking from the perspective of realizing that she probably was not going to survive mm -hmm. uh, having breast cancer. Please give my daughter a better life than I had. And the story goes from there that they then adopted this young African-American uh, girl. And then what, 18 months later, you know, she is diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I, who who could write this storyline no, no, here? No. And so, uh, but being the social worker that she was, she was always motivated around the idea of wanting to get rid of uh, inner city, uh, you know, generational, you know, hunger and and wanting to feed people. And, and she just had a heart to reach out to folks. So she, as she worked through her process, Wayne, and as she, you know, um, you know, recovered 
from her own treatment. She talked about how difficult it was. She said having cancer was hard. Uh, you know, she had additional children, sure. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, she said that, you know, Lexi is the young girl that she adopted. She said that Lexi's mom basically saved her life mm -hmm. and that, you know, uh, and she says she still struggles with the fact that why does she get to live and others do not? Mm -hmm. So she still works through that in her heart and soul. But, you know, what came out of that is that she started a non-for-profit organization called Pink Ribbon Good. Mm -hmm. And we'll make sure that that information is in the show notes so people can access it. Uh, and that, you know, they're now providing 27,000 meals a month. That's incredible. In, in, the, in the states of Missouri, Ohio, San Francisco, and Buffalo. She is feeding literally, you know, people who have cancer, family members, and all driven around the idea of that, you know, she wants to give back, but she feels like that 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 interaction of uh, adopting this young girl, that, hmm. that meeting her, her mom really helped save her life and that then she's diagnosed with cancer later on and she's motivated now to make a difference in the lives of people and boy is she yeah you know something like this can just turn someone's life upside down for good or for not so good right you've seen it yeah. go both ways right and yeah. this is just yeah. such an inspiring story it it, it really is uh i was moved uh, she wants to, uh, we're going to get together again and probably uh, record another couple of shows. She has so much more that she wants to talk about, uh, you know, healthcare disparity, you know, access to healthcare, uh, you know, and she has a lot to say and, and, and to kind of unpack with regard to what she thought she understood versus what she experienced with her own children, uh, both her natural children and her adopted daughter and, and the difference of care and et cetera, et cetera. So she's got a lot that she wants to share with regard to uh, the dynamic of, of, of this conversation. So I look forward to being able to circle back with her at, a, at another point in yeah. time to continue yeah. this discussion. Uh, that would be great. Look forward to that conversation. Okay. Well, Let's uh, mention our free resource this week, How to Serve God When You Have Cancer. Uh, we heard, we saw a great example of that today, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what more do we need to say that? I mean, this story endorses this this resource uh, fully. And that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I guess the message to be taken away is and understood just because one has cancer or has been diagnosed with cancer or been through cancer, do not forget that God can still be served and he can be glorified. Uh, in the midst of that, in in fact, what I have experienced and seen is that that can be amplified to a whole nother level beyond one's original comprehension as a result of having cancer. So we wrote, we wrote a resource uh, to help people to see how they could actually serve God uh, while having cancer and after having cancer. And you'll be amazed what God will do with that story and with that experience uh, for his glory and for the help and the benefit of others, how to serve God when you have cancer. The resource is How to Serve God When You Have Cancer. It's available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. We had a, uh, a fulfillment of that verses, those verses that you shared with us earlier from <laughs> Matthew 25 as we listened to Heather, didn't we? Yeah, we really did. And so, uh, you know, I'll just summarize and paraphrase. At the end of the day, the question that that was asked of Jesus is, you know, uh, who's going to get to sit at your left hand side? Who's going to sit at your right hand side? And he basically gives them this equation of things that can be done and who probably will will have the benefit of being acknowledged by him. And basically it was like feed the hungry, 
you know, uh, you know, to clothe the naked, you know, take care of the stranger, uh, tend to those who are sick. We're mandated by the word of God to do so. And then he he culminates this statement by saying that if you when you do this to the least of your brethren, those that you see every day, that you walk past every day, that you work with, etc., when you do these things unto the least of them, you have served and done this as unto me. And so today, I want to encourage all of us to remember uh, that person that we walk by every day, maybe that 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 custodian or that person that's doing yard service or cutting grass uh, and may be in need, be mindful and be sensitive, not just to casually walk by those individuals. We see someone in need and help. We should be led by God to see if we can figure out a way to assist them, because when we do that as unto them, we're really doing this as unto the Lord. Yeah. And that is and was the story of Heather Salazar. Uh, we tip our cap and salute her today. And that that can be any of us when we have opportunity to serve God and his people uh, will be blessed. They'll be blessed and God will be honored in a way that will make a difference in the lives of so many people. So glad we had that story presented to us today on Health, Hope and Inspiration. Percy, thank you. I guess our time is gone, but we will be back next week, won't we? Yeah, well, we're, in a way, we're all a social worker. We all live in a social environment and we all should be working toward making our world a better place. But while doing that, remember... Uh, that's work and it yep. requires energy and effort so keep chopping the wood don't stop don't give in don't give up and remember tomorrow potentially can be a better day we'll talk to you real soon I keep listening to health hope and inspiration Health, Hope, and Inspiration is sponsored by and produced by City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider City of Hope, a world leader in cancer research, treatment, and prevention. Our hospitals in California, Georgia, Illinois, and Arizona are dedicated to making a difference in the lives of cancer patients. Our team of more than 11,000 includes researchers, associates, scientists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, graduate students, fundraising specialists, marketing professionals, and volunteers and support staff, all united by our desire to find cures and save lives. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialist about questions you may have about your treatment options. City of Hope is dedicated to tailoring a combination of cancer treatments to the needs of each individual patient. From advanced genomic testing to state-of-the-art technologies and evidence-informed supportive care therapies like spiritual support that target cancer-related side effects, comprehensive services are delivered by a team of cancer experts. Our national network also includes many clinical care locations, offering consultations and other medical services in a convenient outpatient setting. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.